trance and hypnosis, hypnosis and trance, circling round, they're doing a dance. What is the difference? How can you tell? Listen in, and listen well. Welcome to Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, okay? Let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And, and get this, okay? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Where do I come from today? Well... First off, welcome back to Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. The justification for me going through extensive, very, very rich, knowledge-heavy courses on things that may not mean anything for your life. But I'm going to distill that content down for you in a way that makes it perhaps relevant and interesting for your life. I, I wish my goal was that noble. Uh, really what it is, though, is I have continued going through these courses. Mike Mandel, Hypnosis Training Academy, and James Tripp's Deep Hypnosis Apprenticeship to contrast them and distill, distill, love that word today, to, to extract key truths about the principles of hypnosis that'll help us understand what it is more as well as make it relevant to our daily lives. I strongly believe this stuff is powerful. This technology is extremely, extremely powerful. I've very much dedicated significant time in my life to the study of it, to the, to the conversation about what it is. A lot of people don't quite know. And that's why I wanted to really put two people that I thought had contrasting views of the process together. Uh, one who's been doing it for, oh man, Mike Mendel says he's been doing it, I think like 50 plus, maybe longer years. And James Tripp, who in 2009 was when he started releasing his content on hypnosis about trance. However, even in that relatively shorter period of time, he's managed to break hypnosis down and achieve things in it that are counterintuitive and very much against the mainstream dogma. So I've still found the value in going back through their courses, placing them up against each other, and what I'm working out here with you is taking those differences and really seeing where they do align. Because very likely, they align much more than you would even think. 
So, then where does that bring us to? Well, I have a feeling the thing to do is start where we started last time when we unboxed the courses. We're going to go into Mike Mandel's Hypnosis Training Academy, Chapter 2. It's amazing how much he packs into a course. I mean, this is the foundations lesson, lesson two, and he still manages to, at the foundational level, get so much in. I mean, I I really, I don't think it's going to be possible for me to go through this entire course in such small chunks. Like, I'm going to have to absorb it and maybe even do two or three lessons at once. Just because it is, I mean, first of all, I don't want to give away his course, um, you know, for free. I, I I want those guys to make money, and, and also there's a lot of subtleties and in- intricacies that I could never just get into with a podcast. However, there's so, there's so much value in each lesson. The funny thing about hypnotists and online... Uh, content consumption in general is that there seems to be an attraction to getting everything all at once. So there are a lot of courses out there, courses I've purchased, where they say over 25 hours of intense, hot hypnosis education thrown at you all at once, ready to download, ready to consume. Now, that's very appealing. It draws you in. It makes you want to just dive fully into it. And I remember when I first signed up for the Hypnosis Training Academy years ago, they drip-fed the material weekly, bi-weekly actually, so that you actually had time to absorb it. And I really was upset at this. I was like, oh. Why am I going to have to wait months to learn how to do the really cool thing in Lesson 8? I want all the information now. Going back through this, I see the value. It's really smart the way they've broken down this course. And James Tripp does it too. He drip feeds value and actually keeps on building on the course and expanding it beyond what's going on. So, it... Yeah, it's it's really one of those things where there's a lot that I could talk about, but I'm going to try to focus in on what I really took away that's valuable and what I think might be useful for all of you out there who have no idea what this weird thing is that I've managed to occupy your hearing space with. Hearing space is what I call that area where podcast information just seeps into your conscious or subconscious mind. So, here we go. Now, he starts with defining hypnosis in Foundations 2. I, <laughs> I, I remember when I first went through this, I was very unsatisfied with this because he gives a couple of couple of interesting definitions. One of which is it's not what you think it is; it's what you think it is. Huh? 
uh, the one I really like, the idea that he really gets is a relationship between a hypnotist and a subject to help access the unconscious resources. In general, Mike Mandel doesn't like subconscious, non-conscious, out-of-conscious state. Some other hypnotists do. He's all about the unconscious. Just say unconscious, make it easier. It's the unconscious mind. Your conscious mind is everything that occupies your waking mind. They did a study, uh, I forget the guy's name, though it's in the course, who um, discovered that the, the conscious mind can only have seven plus or minus two pieces of information in it at any time. So while your brain is occupied on that, the unconscious mind is where your blood's flowing, your breathing, everything, what, how you sleep at night, what's going on when you're sleeping at night. You're not consciously controlling it. You're unconscious. Everything that you're not aware of that's keeping you going, that is your unconscious. A hypnotist, really the overall thing that I'm getting from Mike Mandel's definitions, including he references something called human givens theory which I don't really know too much about. Uh, they, they, they define hypnosis as hacking into the REM state, dreaming state, in waking life. In your dreams, you're seeing things that aren't there, you're feeling things that aren't there, experiencing all the phenomena that you could in hypnosis. It's just your eyes are closed, but your eyes can be open, or not even your eyes can be open, it's just you're not actually sleeping and you're hacking in, and you're hacking in. It's wonderful. Mike Mandel, defining hypnosis, you're not going to be satisfied. There's no one answer. It's one of those things where it, you're, you're stuck knowing a couple of foundational things. Hypnotists are accessing something not readily available, i.e. unconscious, and he's also very much about the relationship between the hypnotist and the subject. He uses those terms, hypnotist and subject. Now, he talks about a loop. Hypnosis is a never-ending relationship with the subject. You're in a loop with them. Putting aside, you've heard loop before. That, I think, is such an important distinction. A lot of people think it's linear. Hypnotist says something, the subject does it. But the only reason the subject is doing it is because they are in response, in relationship, in hypnotic rapport, as Mike Mandel describes it, with the hypnotist. And then the hypnotist responds to them, and they respond back. And it's a constant feedback mechanism where the relationship between the subject and the hypnotist is circling. There's like an energetic transfer. Very important to understand. That's why calibration is so important. You see someone breathing heavily, hypnotist says, and as you breathe heavy, that lets you go even further into hypnosis. It's a relationship. Isn't that a, in general, that's such an important principle. The notion of 
Hypnotists actually have words for this. They, they call it downtime versus uptime. Downtime is what you experience if you were to be in a hypnotic trance. It's internal. You're thinking about things. It's almost as if you've shut out everything consciously, and now you're inside your mind. Your eyes are closed. It's that experience of your eyes being closed. It's daydreaming. It's being so in your head you're not really focusing. Versus uptime, which is where you are looking, and in the present, observing your senses are operating 100%, and you are actually taking in what you're directly being confronted with by your perceptions. A hypnotist, a good hypnotist, is in an uptime trance, i.e. they are focused on the subject and monitoring everything they're doing because anything they're doing could help enhance the hypnotic experience. In general, uptime is a great place to be in sales and negotiations on first dates to really be connected to someone to give them your all is what actually allows you to understand everything that's happening. Remember, we talked about this in another episode, communication being the response you get. So Mike Mandel is very much about that. He's about the loop model of trance, working with the person and letting that affect your work And it just cycles and cycles and cycles. Now, what's interesting is that he talks about the critical faculty as the firewall of the mind. As a brief refresher, the critical faculty is the thing separating your conscious awareness from accessing the unconscious mind. It's the thing that says, hey, you're awake. Kind of interesting. It says, hey, this is a hypnotic process. It is a barrier to getting to those dreamy imagination, sensorial experiences that we can invoke in hypnosis. Mike Mandel says it's developed between age five and six and the idea that hypnotists are working with is that we have to move it away so that we can make changes. It's permeable and semi-permeable. He also says trance and hypnosis are interchangeable and then brings us to one of the most important quotes for me in my understanding of hypnosis, which is that anything that assumes trance causes trance. Said by Clark Hall in 1933, Clark Hall was the mentor of Milton Erickson, who we've mentioned in another podcast as the grandfather of conversational hypnosis. Fascinating, fascinating quote. What does that mean? It means that if you can make someone have their arms stuck and locked in a position where they can't bend it, which often is a suggestion a hypnotist would give after they've dropped them into a trance, if you can get the arm lock before you induce them, they're already in hypnosis. If you can stick their arm to a table or hand to a table 
or wall and have them believe it's stuck with their eyes open, you don't need to do all that sleep. Drop down even deeper, deeper. Anything that happens after the trance, if you start with it, will actually bring them into that hypnotic place. Again, the loop continues. And that's actually one of the reasons this podcast is called Open Loops. This process of eliciting hypnotic phenomenon before getting formal hypnosis, and when I say formal, I mean in the, now you're going to go to sleep, sleep even deeper, 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 whatever that is. It's a hack. It's an amazing hack. Now, I learned this from Jeffrey Stevens. Jeffrey Stevens says, look, if you get someone in waking hypnosis, if you are getting someone to believe that their eyelids are stuck and they can't open them no matter how hard they try, they're already hypnotized. No trance is necessary. Now, Mike Mandel... He uses trance and hypnosis interchangeably. He says anybody that sits around and reads about the differences and argues what's what is just someone that doesn't actually do hypnosis, probably someone that's predisposed to take their knowledge and make it into a podcast. I like the discussion about trance versus hypnosis. It is interesting to me because that's what I used to think it was. When you see these stage hypnotists, they put them in trance, they drop them out. They go deeper, they feel wonderful, feel relaxed, amazing. But I didn't realize that that state wasn't actually something you needed to get people to do stuff. I mean, I hate to jump ahead to James Tripp, but he's the guy that I saw using no trance to get someone to believe that he was invisible. Negative hallucinations are traditionally one of the most difficult forms I have found when you believe the trance model of hypnosis to get their last on the list. You build up from feet are stuck in the ground to maybe arm levitating to name amnesia, number amnesia, visual hallucination, negative hallucination. It's like a ladder you ascend. James Tripp uses that. It's a hypnotic ladder. Once they buy into one aspect, you can then get them to believe in the next. And then Mike Mandel goes into a demonstration and teaches you a lesson about catalepsy, which is like what happens when you have a drink and you don't notice you're, you're still holding a glass in your hand for a long time. There's like, your muscles aren't quite relaxed. They aren't quite tense. They're just kind of floating there. You can actually leverage that, which is a hypnotic phenomenon, catalepsy. Same thing when eyelids are stuck shut and you can't open them up. They're not all the way down. They're, they're not all the way up. It's like a middle state where the muscles are moving in different directions so it stays shut. That's a trance phenomenon. Going for that first gets the hypnosis. It assumes hypnosis. It's like a hack. It's a back-end hack to getting it. Very cool stuff. Love it. He talks about the little shelf induction, which is a really nice way of um, starting with catalepsy. 
in the arm, the wrist specifically, and then directing it into hypnosis, deepening that. Because just because it's hypnosis, this is the thing that people don't understand. No matter what, you have to deepen the hypnosis experience. A lot of people think deepen trance. Not necessarily. Deepen the hypnosis itself. Tricky, I know, because we're going back and forth here. But what that means is you can always develop more focus. You can always direct someone to go even further into their unconscious. If you get someone for a second to believe that their hand is stuck to a table, and it's not just play acting, it's they genuinely feel like they cannot lift their hand from a table, that's hypnosis. But that doesn't mean you're going to be able to get a hallucination from them. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to change their life completely. It requires more focus. You have to get them even more focused in on the fact that they are now accessing their unconscious resources. It's by squeezing down the attention of the conscious mind so you can then pass it, the critical faculty, and get access to all the things. So the more they start to focus on the fact that their hand really is stuck, the more that opens the door to get more phenomenon. Even as I'm telling you this, I don't fully understand it. But most hypnotists don't fully understand it. It's just a model. One of the things that Mike Mandel talks about is that it's great to have three models of the world. His, his mentor, Derek Bomber, taught him that. That, you know, having one model is not enough. Having two just makes you choose between one or the other. And then having three lets you actually be able to apply the model to whatever you're confronted with. Smart idea. I like that view. I mean, I never believe that any blanket statement about anything is true. I think there are a lot of different perspectives of the truth. I'll leave you with this thought that Mike Mandel said in this lesson, which is that Richard Bandler, co-founder of NLP, once said, to put people in trance, you have to take them out of the trance they're already in. Part one of James Tripp's Deep Hypnosis Apprenticeship, the modules, there are 27 lessons in module one. So there's no way I'd be able to go through all of that and also capture every little nuance. It's just, that's also insane. The things to note, I think, in, I, I went through 1.1 to 1.7. 1.1 to 1.7. And this guy is a mind blower consistently. That's all that James Tripp does. I watch his stuff to experience my mind going, who? Ah. Uh. Because that's always what happens. It's, it's the same experience. It's the 
then uh, satisfied. The tension in my brain and then the release once I sort of understand. Release is a weird word. What I was saying is this. His definitions of hypnosis, his everything about hypnosis is so different than what's out there. You can look at it, you can read between the lines and see how, say, Mike Mandel, who's already taken a big departure, I think, from most boring hypnosis trainings I've been on. James Tripp is like left field of that. So reconciling these things is a little difficult. But this lesson, we start to see what that uniqueness really is. See, rather than taking you through the traditional, here are the building blocks, here are the, here's how you get up to a hypnosis induction, here's what you do once they're in, and here's how you deepen, and then you go for this, James Tripp starts with, hey, we're going to get to the precise elicitation of hypnotic phenomena. What I was saying when I was talking about Mike Mandel's course we are going to go to what assumes trance or hypnosis because James Tripp doesn't do hypnosis with trance. He calls it hypnosis without trance. He wants to get right into what are the things we need to evoke in someone to get them buying in to this experience that is shifting their reality. His definition of hypnosis, the alteration of a person's subjective experience through means of verbal and nonverbal communication. Very different, very different than slipping past the critical faculty of the conscious mind to access unconscious resources. Totally different than that traditional hypnosis definition. The alteration of a person's subjective experience through means of verbal and nonverbal communication. It's very, I mean, look, that happens in the waking life, right? You can tell someone, hey, I think your dress is ugly. Like, that's a great experience, right? So if you go up to someone, that society, typically like a, like a you know, a beauty, like, imagine you go to a bar and you see a woman in a dress, And it's the most beautiful dress you've ever seen. Clearly done her makeup. Clearly done her hair. She looks great. And you know that society sees her as traditionally beautiful. Imagine walking up to her and then telling her, Hi, I think your dress is really ugly. That is altering a person's subjective experience through means of verbal. And if you're congruent, i.e., your body, your tone of voice, the way you convey the message matches the intent behind the message. That means that your nonverbal and your verbal communication is altering a person's subjective experience. As a matter of fact, at a baseline level, you could say that that person is, could be in a I'm hot trance, like I'm good looking, I'm beautiful, I know who I am, I put myself out there in this way because I know I attract people. They're in that trance, and in that moment, you're kind of hypnotizing them. You really are. You're breaking them out of their trance state and making them confronted 
with, I mean, that would be a great induction. Like if you went up to someone that was absolutely stunning and told them, hey, I think you're ugly as poop, you could probably see register their confused face and then yell sleep, and they might just do it because it's so against the reality, their subjective experience. Now, James Tripp definitely leaves that definition intentionally a little open because I believe that he sees hypnosis and trance as waking states in general. I mean, first of all, he doesn't... Trance is already a vague word, so i got to be careful when I say that around him. But what I mean is that he has very different views on the line between imagination and reality. He even talks about it. He defines imagination beyond the make the made up things in your head. He talks about it as mind flow. So it's not even just the things you create. Imagination, mind flow is everything that is good. It's the conversation in your head, the inner monologue, the way you feel the way you react to certain things it's like a constant it's what like the the way you are perceiving reality the words the experience the thoughts you see the things you feel the things you hear in your mind that's imagination i love that definition he actually further goes on to define hypnosis specifically beyond subjective experience he believes uh, that hypnosis is the engagement of a person's belief in imagination, beliefs in imagination, and creating for them an altered subjective reality. So, really, you are actually having a conversation with their mind flow, having a conversation with the way they are... Gen- I mean, it's like, imagine the mind flow is this river, and a hypnotist is... Add in some chlorine to the river. <laughs> that's now I say chlorine, chlorine because that's a pretty weird thing to just add to a river. But hypnosis is a pretty weird thing to do to a mind. Ah, is it do with or do to? It's with in James Trip mind. Uh, James, it it's with in James Trip's mind because. He thinks the mind control model of hypnosis completely messes up hypnotists. He believes we are working with the cognition of the person as facilitators so that they do it themselves. I love, love, love this. Cognition is such an important aspect of hypnosis. Cognition feels more proactive. It's a more proactive-sounding word. Facilitators of cognition. In general, James Tripp is much more about facilitation, about you being an active guide with the person to enable them to experience these places. This takes it beyond all hypnosis is self-hypnosis in my book because that, to me, I think what people understand from that is that you have to magically let yourself go into trance, into relaxation. You have to surrender yourself. Facilitating the cognition means, hey, are you going to play with me here? 
are you going to listen to my instructions and work with the language that I'm throwing at you verbally and non-verbally in order to give yourself a unique experience that leverages your beliefs about the world, about everything, and the mind flow so that you can experience something completely different. That's why he says there's no correlation between the depth of the trance and hypnosis because depth of trance doesn't even matter. When you're working with mind flow, they don't even need to be in the trance because every day, like that beautiful woman at the bar, she's already in a subjective reality. A good hypnotist works with this. There's, he, he really believes there's no trance state. It is a process. He even mentions that with brain imaging, they have not found... When you, when you get a hypnosis hallucination going, the brain imaging isn't... It, it moves to the place where you see things regularly in your mind. There's no hypnosis location in the brain. It is a process. It is a dialogue. The idea is that we are working together with a person to learn their map of the way things are and then slightly playing with it, slightly influencing it so that we have access to their full range of mind flow beyond what they normally perceive. Love it. And really, we have no idea what's going on in other people's heads. I remember one time my Uncle Max said to me, Greg, what you would see as green, I might not see as green. It could be completely different, but we still call it green. Now talk about something for an 11-year-old to latch onto. I heard that from him, and I said, what? Oh, I guess that's true. We have completely different understandings. Look at a color. Do you see the same color as somebody else does? You have no idea. But we still call it the same thing. Can you play with that? A good hypnotist could. So what do these two courses have in common? What is it that they both point to? We have Mike Mandel doing a more traditional model, really breaking down the basics of what hypnosis is, talking about it being a loop, talking about it being a relationship between the hypnotist and the subject. James Tripp very much echoing a lot of what he's talking about in terms of that it is an active process where you are helping facilitate something with the person getting hypnotized and then based on their response you guide them even more so there is that similarity but what's also key i think here to note is that they both very much realize that there's no way to ever accurately define what hypnosis is. I may have promised that in other episodes. I attempted to define it. But I think what I'm really taking away from both of these guys is that almost like defining God, we have a slight sense 
but the very idea that the human mind can ever fully intellectually get to the bottom of it is outright impossible. James Tripp says it. He talks about, at the end of the day, the truth is hypnosis is more complex than we can even think about it. It's a great thing. Mike Mandel, it's not what you think it is. It's what you think it is. And then he offers three other definitions. Both of these men are happy giving you a little taste of their understanding of hypnosis, but it's only for practical purposes. They want you to be able to use whatever it is and not necessarily fully understand it. And that's something that I've had to deal with too. As a as a hypnotist practitioner, as someone that studies it, I really struggled to understand the secrets of hypnosis because it looks great. But as I was doing it to people, there came a point where I realized, wow, I'm not really doing this. They're doing it. But they had to get there through me actively working with them to a place where they were able to surrender themselves to the moment. A lot of the people I've worked with so far have been people more susceptible to Mike Mandel's model. All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. I start doing it, and then they get themselves there, and it's almost like I, I feel like I've cheated. I'm sitting there giving suggestions, but they respond. James Tripp is much more active, especially because he's going right for the phenomenon before getting them into some sort of ritualized trance state. You have to really work with the people in a waking moment to get them to buy in. But when they work with you, they're able to have a different experience of the moment beyond anything they may have thought possible before. Both of these men have different philosophies of hypnotist practices. They have different philosophies of the best way to get into it, the best way to learn it. But at the end of the day, the model is only important if it's practical. The theoretical, while interesting to me, is certainly not going to get you anywhere if it just stays theoretical. It's about really engaging with the person in front of you so that you can move them to a different place. James Tripp talks about this isn't a recipe. It's about dancing with what's happening in real time. So as you're listening to me right now and taking all this in and deepening your understanding of hypnosis, just know that at the end of the day, God might be real if it's useful to you. And if it's not, God might be real too. Are you God? Who are you? That's why this podcast is called Open Loops with Greg Bornstein.